Chapter 23 of The Friendly Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sage Turtle. T-Y-R-T-L-E dot com. The Friendly Five by Mary C. Hungerford. Chapter 23. The Letter in Cipher. School again, school again, from a foreign shore, and oh, it fills my heart with pain to see its walls once more, sang Lily with mock pathos, as the stage, with its lively load of girls, drove up to the front door, where Mrs. Abbott and Elfie smiled a cordial welcome. There's not a word of truth in that lament, Mrs. Abbott, my dear said Lily, as she folded her teacher in a fervent hug, for I'm awfully, awful glad to get back. So am I, said Katie. And you, dear, said Mrs. Abbott, smiling at Marian, who could not easily release herself from Elfie's embrace of joyful welcome. It is coming home to me, answered Marian, with glowing face. Have you had a pleasant visit? Oh, so delightful. May I come to your room tonight and tell you about it? "'Indeed you may.' "'May I hear the history, too?' said Mr. Eaton, just appearing from the library. The girls pounced upon him then, dragging him into the schoolroom and asking a flood of questions and begging hard for the promise of a story after tea. He gave the promise readily, but it was not fulfilled, for an hour later a telegram summoned him away on business that could not be delayed. "'I don't understand why everybody has to be in the dumps just because Mr. Eaton had to go away.' said Edna discontentedly that evening. "'Because he's a joy forever,' said Lily. "'And with him here, the next two days of settling down to work would be just fun. Now they'll be deeply, darkly, beautifully blue, won't they, Kit?' "'Yes, the first days are generally pokey,' said Katie, preparing to record her arrival in her new diary. "'We could have fun enough.' said Edna, if Mrs. Abbott won't be too straight-laced and antiquated to let us. How, for instance? There's a circus coming. I saw the bills posted up at the station, replied Edna. Lions and bears, and a four-armed man, and a man with no arms at all who takes your picture with his toes, and lots of jolly things. They won't do us any good, said Belle Bergion, for, you know, Mrs. Abbott disapproves of circuses. "'Well, they are low,' said Edna. "'But I think it would be fun to go to one of the side-shows, as they call them, "'and have our fortunes told by the Egyptian Sphinx.' "'Oh, I've seen a picture of that kind of being. "'It's just a young woman with an elaborately frizzed head and a handsome face, "'and nothing else except a small section of throat,' explained Lily. "'She perches lightly on a washstand and answers questions, I believe.' "'But how can she talk without any arms and legs?' said Louis Field, skeptically. "'Unless she uses the sign language of the deaf and dumb, "'I think limbs and members would be less indispensable than lungs,' said Lily. "'But I don't understand, so I can't explain. "'It's some kind of claptrap,' said Edna. "'I've read how it's done. "'There's glass-looking fronts and curtains and things, you know.' "'What a beautifully clear explanation,' said Lily.' I just love to have my fortune told, said Katie. You couldn't understand her. Probably she's a real, genuine, imported sphinx. Speaks no English, nothing but pyramid, 
Lily said mockingly. There's no such language as pyramid, is there? asked Katie rather doubtfully. Well, then, she'd speak the language of the Ptolemies, whatever that was, and you couldn't understand it, but no matter what she speaks, you are not likely to see her. The matter was dropped then, but the next morning when Mrs. Abbott took her seat to open school, she found a yard-long pictorial advertisement of the circus laid conspicuously on the desk. On the margin was written, Please take us, on reading which she shook her head gravely. I have had such requests before, she said severely, and all but the latest comers know how thoroughly I disapprove of circuses and all such exhibitions. She looked grave and displeased, and the girls, discussing the matter afterward, were very indignant at Edna, who had put the playbill on the desk without their knowledge. She defended herself rather crossly, and a quarrel seemed inevitable, but Elfie, coming in with the book for Katie, made a diversion. "'Is you most crying cause you can't go to see the effalumps and the big, big bears?' she asked, looking at Edna curiously. "'No, indeed,' replied Edna, loftily. "'But I should like to have my fortune told by the Sphinx. "'Annie Abbott says that the Spazinx in that picture isn't a real Spazinx," said Elfie, consolingly. They all laughed so at her remarkable pronunciation that her small head was tossed up with much dignity, and she said, with some asperity, "'It is not a bit ladyfied for folks to laugh at other folks's pronouncements. My Marion never laughs when I says my words wrong.' Edna repressed the sneering remark she was ready to utter, for no one was allowed to say one word in dispraise of Marion before Elfie, who had been more than ever her champion since the affair of the poem and edna to do her justice was really very fond of elfie and immediately tried to propitiate her by making a boat out of writing paper which the happy child carried off to sail in her basin there she left it with a freight of small paper dolls when candace called her to go out for a walk and marian whose early training made tidiness a habit carefully threw away the water wiped out the basin and put the paper boat in the window to dry and, picking up a work-basket, sat down with it on her lap, and began to darn a stocking of Elfie's as a pleasant surprise for Candace. As she worked, saying over a list of Roman emperors to make sure she had them at her tongue's end, some of the blurred characters in the little boat caught her attention, and she carefully unfolded it, finding, as she suspected, that it was a note written in cipher. Having had permission to read all she could, she amused herself by deciphering the curious words and writing them down on a bit of paper. A part of the note was torn, but enough was left to make Marian very uncomfortable. It was written to Edna by Addie Mason, a rather delicate girl who lived in the village, and who came into school every day for only two or three studies. She had become very popular with the S.C.s, and had been frequently invited to their secret meetings, and the mysterious cipher had been explained to her. She was immensely flattered by all this privilege, although she knew her admittance to fellowship was owing to her usefulness in bringing purchases of maple sugar, candy, crackers, and raisins, and other such commodities as could be purchased at the county store, which the girls were not allowed to visit, except by a special permission— and that was rarely accorded. The cipher letter, after Marion copied it upon a fresh piece of paper, read thus. Durden, Minneblatt, Sisset, Wilnet, Kemtibet, Getless, Ewell, Burngluff, Shish, Chish, 
Kunfeld, Sumberd, Manimi, Pernadang, Ridden, Blunchels, Hadident, Swat, Shush, Wendover, Guther, Wetherm, Munnid, Kennegid, Burnder, Ilgen, Nunnun, Rubber, Didemison. It was not a difficult cipher to read when you knew how, simply a leaving out of all the vowels and writing every consecutive pair of words together. But as some of the girls who had tried to read specimens of it said, it looked too heathenish for United States folks to read. Abolishing capitals also added to its obscurity. The translation, after Marion had puzzled it out and written it down in legible English, was, Dear Edna, Madame Bellotti says she will not come to the back gate unless you will bring Elfie too. She says she can find some buried money by putting a divining rod in a blonde child's hand. That is what she has wanted for. Get her away from Marion and Candace and bring her along. No one will ever know. Addie Mason. That's what you get for meddling, miss, Marion said to herself as, having made the copies and torn them up, she refolded the boat and applied herself again to the stockings and the Roman emperors. Caligula? Claudius? Nero? She continued, not conscious she was speaking aloud. I do hope she won't do it. Galba? Otho? Vitalius? Oh, dear, I do hope she won't. Won't what, you funny old thing? asked Lily, looking in at the door. For a moment, Marion was tempted to tell her about the note she had read, and beg her to prevent Edna's taking Elfie outside of the gate, but she knew her interference might be resented, and Lily was so intolerant of tale-telling that she did not want to seem guilty of it. So she parried the question and begged her to take the list she had copied from her history and see if she could say the Roman emperors correctly. Perfect, said Lily when she had done. But you always do say everything perfectly. And now, tell me what is bothering you, Molly Ann. You looked when I came in as though you had the weight of the world on your shoulders. But no coaxing would persuade the girl to tell, although she longed to talk about her discovery with someone. Of course, she could not tell Mrs. Abbott. The schoolgirl's code of honor forbade that. But she resolved to watch Effie closely and prevent her, if possible, from being taken out of the gate, and if she could not do that, to follow her herself, no matter how much her doing so might offend the girls. End of chapter 23. Recording by Sage Turtle. T-Y-R-T-L-E dot com.